Welcome to I Communicate on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. To join the conversation, call 508-871-7000. Now, here's your host, Mark Altman. Welcome back to the Mindset Go Radio Show. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're all having a wonderful afternoon and uh, glad to be back. I'm your host, Mark Altman, the President and CEO of Mindset Go, and really thrilled to do this radio show. Always am. Mindset Go is an organization where we train people on the ability to be emotionally intelligent, conversationally intelligent, and multi-generationally intelligent. And I see all those as critical aspects to being a confident and effective communicator. And so today, we're going to talk about a concept called reciprocity. And uh, reciprocity is one of the six principles of influence from uh, Cialdini, Robert Cialdini. But we're going to talk about it in a few different ways today. And what got me thinking about reciprocity is uh, recently my son got bar mitzvahed. And one of his relatives is really big on thank you notes. And not only does she want a thank you note, but she wants it in a timely manner. And what I thought was interesting about it is... uh, some other members of, of my family were, were very upset and frustrated that, that his, this person had really high expectations about thank you notes. And so in her mind, she was raised, her core values were taught and said, hey, I gave you a gift. I'd like you to put a little effort, take five minutes into sending a thank you note in return. And what was interesting about it is to me, it seemed really reasonable. Um, But that's maybe because that's my core value as well. Uh, But it turned into a big argument because it wasn't just she was asking for a thank you note. It was that she was communicating, being annoyed and frustrated that she didn't have one. And what I've spoken about on the show before, what I find interesting is that when you have a gripe with another person, but you don't communicate that gripe the correct way, then you can often be termed the bad guy when all you were trying to do is create some awareness and be heard and hope someone understands your point of view. And so in this case, I give you a birthday gift, you send a thank you note. I give you a uh, mitzvah gift, I send a thank you note. And, you know, you could say, what do you need to do to reciprocate when someone sends a gift or gives a gift? And a lot of people might argue, well, let's just say thank you. Just, you could say thank you via in person if the opportunity exists. You could say thank you via email. You could say thank you via text. You could say thank you via a phone call. There's multiple ways to do it. Um, But I think most people would agree that when you received a gift from someone, that there's a reciprocal act that should follow that involves some kind of a communication of appreciation, gratitude, or thank you. So we often use the word unconditional or conditional acts of kindness or, or, or gratitude or just doing nice things for someone. And I once had uh, someone in my life several years ago say to me, make the statement and said, you know, nothing's unconditional. You know, even when people do nice things for other people, uh, they're doing it for their own self-interest because they want to feel good. Just as much as they want to feel someone else, make someone else feel good, they want to feel good themselves. So it's, it's inherently selfish because you're doing it so you can feel good too. And what I found interesting about that comment is uh, 
I don't know whether it's true or not. What was interesting to me, I, I looked at her and I said, but so what? Even if there is some um, conditional benefit to yourself where you get some kind of boost of happiness or confidence or pleasure because you're doing something nice, does that take away? You know, if it is if it is conditional that you get something too, does that take away from it? Does it make it less special or honorable? And so, look, what I want to, what I want you to be thinking about as we go through the show today is I want you to think about expectations. Because really, this comes down to, when we talk about reciprocity, so much of it, in, in whatever venue we apply it, it comes down to expectations. And I think that most of us, when we do something nice for someone, expect them to acknowledge it. And you know, it's funny, the other day I was driving in the car and I let someone uh, go by me or I let someone into a parking lot, another car. And what happens when you do that? You expect the person to wave and acknowledge it and say thank you. And they didn't. And I kind of muttered under my breath, you're welcome. And so my son was sitting alongside. He said, well, dad, why did you say that? And I said, well, I was just a little annoyed that I tried to do something nice and they didn't acknowledge it. So if we do something nice for someone, whether it's let someone buy us on the, on a, on the highway, you know, open the door for someone, give them a gift, um, you know, give them a, a, a day off because they've been doing such a good job at work, whatever it is, do we, do, is any of that unconditional? Because if we're expecting some kind of acknowledgement or thank you and they don't give it, I think there's an assumption we're making that they don't appreciate it. Because if they don't even take the time to acknowledge and be aware of that a nice gesture was taken, then it then it, they don't appreciate it. And you know what happens? What happens? There's a there's a there's a poisonous track that that leads to, because once you start thinking someone doesn't appreciate something, then you worry: is it going to become an expectation? And I'm not talking about letting a car through, but in certain things, when you do things for people, if they don't appreciate it, and you interpret their lack of appreciation as they expect it then it can really impact your ability to want to do nice things for people. And what I don't think, when I talk about emotional intelligence, what I don't think we, we talk a lot about or we think a lot about is when we interpret something a certain way when someone doesn't give us that wave or when they don't acknowledge nice things that we do, then when we get frustrated about that, the next time we have the opportunity to do those things, whether it's for employees, strangers, whatever the opportunity that presents itself, we remember the bad experience we had and we might be inclined not to do it again. And, and, and instead of remembering the bad experience, we want to remember the person. Because if one person doesn't give you that acknowledging wave or that thank you, that doesn't mean that no one appreciates what you do or no one appreciates and recognizes acts of kindness. But too often, our brain, our, 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 and, you know, last week we talked about how, how much Star Wars, how much emotional, how many concepts of emotional intelligence are in Star Wars. And we talked about how the limbic brain creates those emotions and memories for us and how that if you take away, if your limbic brain takes away from that experience that, they don't appreciate it and then you're you know you're walking away saying oh god people just don't appreciate or don't think then we're guided to make bad decisions and we stop doing those good things 
So, reciprocity. What do you expect from people? Is it just a thank you? Well, that's, that's one level. Is it a written thank you? A thank you note itself? So it's not just, hey, thanks. Is there a written thank you note? That's level two. How about they, you, they need to do something back for you? Hey, I did them a favor. And so I'm hoping or expecting, you pick the word, that when they have an opportunity to do a favor for me, they're going to quote unquote remember this. So you may have a favor in the favor bank. And we actually see that a lot with networking. You know, when people make a referral to someone professionally in networking, um, there's an assumption that, hey, I made you a referral, that you're going to be out looking for referrals and opportunities for me. And I think that's, that's, that's an expectation. And whether you articulate it externally to other people, to the person who made the referral, whether you internalize it and tell yourself that you expect that person to do something to reciprocate, most of us have some kind of expectation attached at, at, at those various levels, you know, when someone does something for you. So when we come back from our first break, we're going to continue to talk about reciprocity and the, the different levels of it. And so in understanding how expectations and assumptions tie in to the concept of reciprocity. This is Mark Altman for the Mindset Go Radio Show. We'll be back after the break. Now, I communicate continues on full service radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. So welcome back to the show. And we were recently talking about reciprocity and we were talking about it professionally as far as networking. And I said right before the break, we were talking about the concept of making a referral or an introduction to somebody else. And then it's almost like there's a, there's a stored favor in the favor bank where you expect the other person to at some point reciprocate some way, somehow. And I want to create some awareness in a lot of the research and training I've done and how much this, this expectation extends out. So what's interesting is, you know, when I make a referral to somebody or an introduction to something, you know, one of the things I expect back is I want them to tell me how it went. Did you end up doing business with that person? Was your experience with that person good? And not only, not only would I like you to tell me, but I also would like you to tell me either way. Not just if you got the business, I would like to tell me what the outcome of the interaction was. Um, that's important to me because, you know, when I'm making an introduction or referral, my reputation's on the line. I want people to understand that I care how that interaction goes. Frankly, I might even check pack with the person that was the introductee, the person who I introduced, um, and see what their take was, of, was from the person that I referred. But here's the thing, everybody. This goes back to one of the concepts I talk about all the time. And I could have 10 expectations of the referral. It's not the quantity of the expectations. It's does the other person know those expectations exist? So when I make a referral, I tend to say to someone, hey, you know, once you've talked to them, will you give me an update on how the interaction went? Will you follow up and let me know if you actually end up doing business with the person? So I will actually have a conversation saying, listen, if you don't mind, these are the things I would like. And so when I think about 
reciprocity and expectations. I don't mind if someone makes a referral to me and they expect me to do something in return. I don't mind that. If they expect me to give them five updates along the way, I don't mind that. But what I want them to do is tell me what they want from me. I don't want there to be hidden hidden things that they know I should be doing or that they expect I'm doing that I don't even know. Because in some cases, that's where a lot of anger and resentment builds up in communication because people expect you to reciprocate some way, but you didn't know that. And you don't know that. And everybody's different. So I think about how do you, how do you make sure you have that conversation to set those expectations and to manage those expectations so people know what you want them to do to reciprocate. Because I don't think there's anything wrong with reciprocity. And this concept of if you expect something in return, then you're not doing it unconditionally, I think that's a little short-sighted. I, I would rather someone feel like they can do nice things for me and they, they, they're, I, I'm okay if they expect something back as long as I'm clear on what it is they expect back. And what's tricky about the concept of networking is it, it extends well beyond that because what happens is, lay you've made a referral for me and you're expecting me, you've articulated, I want to do something, you know, you want me to be on the lookout, keep you on top of mind, do the things that show that reciprocity. The problem is, how soon do you want me to do it? If two months go by after a referral was made and you don't hear from me with an introduction, are you sitting in your office going, oh, so much for that. I guess, guess he's not going to reciprocate. You know, what's, what's my timeline? Is it two months? Is it six months? Is it a year? And more to the point, do you, how are you making an assessment that I'm actually making the effort? Is the only thing you're looking for is that I make an actual referral? What if I'm, making, what if I'm spending 15, 30 minutes a week trying to contact people, trying to brainstorm ideas on how to make an introduction. You don't really know that, right? Because the only thing you really have to go by is the outcome. Did I actually make another referral for you? You're not behind the scenes understanding the effort I'm making, right? And so, so that in itself, talk about a tangled web of communication. Then when you start telling people the efforts you're making from behind the scenes... Now it looks like some of the interpretation may be that you need credit. That you're trying to pump yourself up and say, look at look what I'm doing. Look at all the efforts I've made. I really am trying to get you an opportunity. And that can go both ways too because some people could, could, could see that as needing credit or seeking glorification or needing to pump up all the hard work you're doing and telling them how much effort you've made. So it's, it's a real tangled web. And, and networking, to me, feels like probably one of the most common areas of reciprocity in the workplace. Think about it on go, shifting gears for a minute. Think about the concept of rec- reciprocity on the athletic field. So you'll hear coaches often say, well, your playing time will be determined by how hard you work in practice. And so there's an understanding and an expectation that you have to put forth a certain amount of work, dedication, commitment, and showing it, modeling it, behaving a certain way, and the reciprocity for that is going to earn you opportunities to play more. And this, frankly, is one of the areas 
that I see break down in high school and even at all levels, but certainly at the high school and college level in sports, is then then when kids get frustrated about playing time, and then parents feel the need to advocate for their kids. Why isn't my kid playing more? Why isn't my kid have more of an opportunity? And then you have well, if they are working hard in practice and they are doing things, then you're kind of as a coach, you're kind of painted into a corner. If they're not, can you actually articulate to the child, to the parent, to the student athlete, what they aren't doing enough of that they need to be doing more of. And then if they do end up doing more of that, are you actually reciprocating, committing, and guaranteeing some kind of reward of playing time, which you really can't do? Because for lots of reasons, for lots of reasons. But one of them is just because you put in hard work and practice doesn't mean it's going to translate to the game. Um, And also because there are so many variables that coaches have to consider when evaluating opportunities for the team and for the players. And there's so many variables, which makes it so hard to coach that reciprocity can be very difficult in the dynamic of a coach and, and student. Think of the way parents are using reciprocity all the time. You know, if you get a certain amount of grades on your report card, you know, I'll buy you something. I'll give you a certain amount of money. I'll let you... Go on a trip. I mean, this this principle of reciprocity of you do something and I will reciprocate something back to you, it happens all day, every day, everywhere you look. Reciprocity is used in, I mean, here we are in the holiday season. People are shopping like crazy, whether it be online. You know, reciprocity, a two-for-one deal is reciprocity. You buy one and I'll give you a second one for free or half off. That's reciprocity. And so I embrace it. I embrace it because, because for every person that says they do things unconditionally and really don't need anything in return, regardless of how I act, if I ever do anything for you, if I say thank you or I don't say thank you, I write a thank you note or don't write a thank you note, if you're telling me you don't care about any of that, it doesn't impact your motivation or your ability to make decisions and want to do acts of kindness or nice gestures, for every one person like that, I tell you there's a hundred people that aren't like that. So I, I don't mind conditional behavior. Now, I very often talk in my workshops about how we have two methods to motivate people. One is uh, rewards, benefits, acts of reciprocity, and one is consequences. So we either try to motivate and incentivize by reward or by a consequence. You don't do this, you may lose your job. You don't do this, you may not get a promotion. You do this, you'll get a bonus you'll get a potential promotion. So we typically, and it all starts it all starts with parents and teachers because that's what we have to go with at an early age. We use rewards and consequences to motivate people. And so you might say, well, if I'm such a favor, if, if I'm such a believer in, in conditional behavior and conditional giving, then that spits in the face of what I teach. It doesn't. I don't, think it's not, I don't think it's a bad idea. I think it's a bad idea to rely on it as a primary motivator for people. And as I've talked about many times, I think intrinsic motivation is what really sustains and creates, creates. Intrinsic behavior is really what sustains and creates long-term behavior and habits. That's what I think gets it done. 
So I say we embrace reciprocity. I say we embrace conditional giving. It doesn't take away from it. What takes away from it is if it isn't articulated and agreed upon and stated. Once those expectations aren't communicated and they're hidden and they're internalized, that's the problem with reciprocity. So when we come back, I'm going to share with you a, a phenomenal secret that uh, waiters and waitresses uses, use in restaurants to exploit reciprocity. This is Mark Altman for the Mindset Go Radio Show. We'll be back after the break. Listening to I Communicate on Full Service Radio 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome back to the Mindset Go Radio Show. I'm your host, Mark Altman, and uh, we're talking about reciprocity. We're talking about in the holiday season conditional and unconditional giving and and the benefits of both and the consequences of both. So I promised when we went to break I would tell you a story about waiters and waitresses in restaurants and a study that's been done that has had a lot of impact. And many of you know that when you go out to eat, um, in many places, depending on the restaurant, when the bill comes, often there's a mint or some kind of candy or chocolate uh, on the, with the bill that comes. And studies have been shown that restaurants that have their servers leave some kind of gift of candy or chocolate or something on that bill... The tips and the compensation is typically much higher than ones who don't. And what I what I find it to be really interesting is it's because you feel like you just got a bonus. The, your brain is telling you you just got an extra. It's like, oh, wow, candy or chocolate or something. And so then when it comes time to write out the tip, there's that extra subconscious uh, awareness that takes place that has had a tendency to increase tips. Now, that doesn't mean it works across the board, and that doesn't mean everybody does it, but what it means is that little act of reciprocity by a waiter or waitress giving a piece of candy or chocolate uh, is, is an incentive for people to give more money. Now, what I think is interesting is I deal with a lot of small business owners, have a lot of clients that I do some coaching for, whether it be coaching to be able to sell themselves better, grow their business more effectively, connect with more people, build their brand, you name it. And what's interesting is I find a lot of small business owners really struggle to identify what they have to offer to reciprocate to another individual. So let's say I'm working with an IT company, for example. And so I'm to say to the president of the IT company, if someone does a favor for you, makes an introduction for you, makes a referral for you, what is something nice you could possibly do in return? And most of the time, and this is not an IT thing, that most of the time companies are at a loss because there's this mindset of if I can't make an introduction or if I can't make a referral to someone, what do I really have to offer? And I think we forget. I think we forget the skills and expertise we have and some of the things I tell business owners is, well, first of all, you have your time. Everybody, theoretically, is an expert in something. So um, 
depending on the size of the company, um, I could get some strategies or tips on IT. I could get some information on how to be more efficient and streamline how I handle my technology. So there's, all, there's all, always the consulting aspect. And what's interesting about the consulting aspect in business, many, many companies, and co- especially coaches in my industry, what they do is they offer a free consult. My problem with the concept of a free consult is it's got an agenda with it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn about you. And then in exchange for learning about you and understanding what your needs are, you're going to get a taste of my ability to coach, how I communicate with you, how I respond to different challenges you pose, um, how I listen to the different problems you present. So the mindset for someone who gets a free consult, a lot of people on the receiving end of a free consult see it as a sales pitch or it's agenda driven and you're going to talk about you rather than listen to me. And what's interesting to me about a free consult is that that could be true in some cases. I'm sure it probably is true in some cases. But this goes back to what I was saying earlier in the show about uh, conditional or unconditional reciprocity. So if you're someone who's considering using a coach, a trainer, a consultant of any kind, and you have the opportunity to have a free consult, and you say, well, and you're thinking, well, no, I don't want to do that because it's going to be a sales pitch. Well, why, why walk around thinking that way? Why not ask the person beforehand what the structure of the consult is, what the agenda for the consult is, so you don't have to think that? And so when it comes to reciprocity, I would argue with, let's take worst case scenario, even if it is somewhat of a sales pitch, even if a half hour of the one hour is a sales pitch, it wouldn't be how I do it. But if there's 30 minutes where you're gaining some insight and wisdom and you're in a better position to make a decision on finding a guide or a mentor or a support system because of that 30 minutes of wisdom you picked up, seems like a good trade. And so I think imparting best practices, imparting your expertise, there's so much value if you're an expert in a certain industry or in a field or aspects of that industry or field, that's pretty valuable. And I think we forget that that counts for something. When I think of the holiday season and when I think of reciprocity, one of, one of my biggest frustrations is companies who will send or email a generic holiday card or message. And I will admit, I'm tough on this. You know, my standards and expectations are very high. And part of my concern is that when you send me an email or a piece of mail that says happy holidays from all of us, It didn't make me feel special. It didn't make me feel like I'm really appreciated. It felt like, hey, we're supposed to send something for the holidays. You're one of the people on our list, so we're going to send something to you. Now, a lot of people might think that's a harsh viewpoint, and that's okay. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. But my opinion is, it feels like we should do more, and we could do more. If you had, think about this for a minute. Let's say you had 300 customers and you had to sit down and write a note. We'll say a three or four sentence personalized handwritten note to 300 customers. Okay, so let's just take, let's say every note takes five minutes to write. Five minutes times 300. That's a lot of hours, right? 60 hours, isn't it? 
So, actually, that would be 12 hours, my bad. So my point being that it might seem crazy to personalize a message, but think of the impact when someone is giving you thanks or appreciating you for who you are. Does that generic email or card that has no writing on it have a lot? Not really. So to me, when you're reciprocating for someone, one of my core values is the personalization aspect of it. So one of the things that's big and a core value for my business is when someone does some, was, when someone does an introduction for me, I give them a revenue share for it. If it's appropriate, if it's not appropriate, I might make a donation to a charity that they select. Maybe I'll do some coaching or bartering consult for them or someone they know. There's lots of ways I give back, but I proactively, I see reciprocity proactive tool to really tangibly thank people for doing nice things. And sometimes I really believe this. Sometimes I believe that a generic gift, a generic email or card, sometimes I think can do more harm than good because now you the, the company didn't really stand out or differentiate themselves using some kind of reciprocity for client appreciation or I mean this this applies for employee appreciation as well so when when you when you're thinking of ways to appreciate people and be grateful not just in the holiday season all year round when people are doing nice things all around think about all the different things that you can offer people you know, I've, I've often said that if I had someone call me up and say, hey, Mark, you know, there's a friend of mine who I owe a favor to that could use a coaching session from you. Would you just do that as a solid for me? I do. Because I feel like I have enough confidence that what goes around comes around. And I have enough confidence that when people see the value I can add to them or their organization they'll be engaged enough to want to continue to work with me. So I think it's something that for, an or, for companies and individuals to really step back and think, what do you have to give in a professional relationship? And let's face it, the dynamics of your professional relationships are different. It could be clients and prospects externally. It could be people you work with up, down, and sideways internally. But what do you have to offer people to support and help them? You know, I, I hear, and we're going to talk about this after the break, I hear a lot of companies tell me they wish their employees would take more initiative. That's a big problem, taking initiative. So when we come back in our final segment, I'm going to tell you how reciprocity ties into taking initiative and why people don't take initiative and why what they need to do to uh, facilitate more people taking initiative. This is Mark Altman for the Mindset Go Radio Show. We'll be back after the break. Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Welcome back for our final segment of the Mindset Go Radio Show. I'm Mark Altman, and if you want more information about Mindset Go, you can certainly email at info at mindsetgo.com. You can reach out at 978-206-1535, and certainly please visit our website at mindsetgo.com. So we're talking about taking initiative. And what's interesting is people 
Companies want their employees to take more initiative. Departmental leaders want their employees to take more initiative. Well, why don't people take initiative? It, it seems so obvious, right? And then, and then if you don't take initiative, we, we then label and stereotype and stigmatize people to say, oh, well, we're not taking initiative because that person doesn't care about helping others. That person just wants to do the bare minimum. That person is going to only do what's asked of them. Which, by the way, those things could be true, but they're not automatically true. And when I think about taking initiative, the entire show about reciprocity fits in, this, fits in today. Now, there's a lot of aspects that go into taking initiative, but one of them is when you get up from your desk and you walk over to another coworker and you say, hey, I imagine you must be really busy. Is there anything I can do to help? First of all, what's interesting about the ask, okay, is understand when you make that ask, you're not guaranteeing you're going to do it. You said, is there anything I can do to help? Now, if the person comes back and says, wow, there is, as a matter of fact, thank you so much for asking. I have this huge project that's due and it's going to take me, it's due in a couple days and it's going to take me another three or four hours. I, I would really love it if you could take that off my hands. So what happens in that situation? If you respond and you advocate for yourself in that situation and say, oh my God, you know what? Honestly, I, I would love to help you with that. I don't have that kind of time. But boy, if there's something like a little smaller that might make your, maybe you need me to follow up with a customer or maybe handle something internally for you. Um, if it's something that I can manage, I would love to. It's just that I, I wouldn't be able to manage something that big based on my workload. So now, if you say that, does that mean the favor didn't count? Is the other person going to say, well, oh, I guess you're not really being helpful. But if you watch the track of communication, which is someone getting up, being empathetic to the people around them at any tier of the organization, and just showing the mindfulness, self-awareness, empathy, using those emotional intelligence skills to go up and ask someone else, is there something I can do to help you out? That's huge. And frankly, most people have such an issue with owing people things and have so much baggage around reciprocity that I think I would guess, you know, 80% of the time, someone's not going to take you up on it anyway because they're not going to want to owe you something or they're not going to want to put you out or impose on you. So the fact that you're just showing the awareness is huge. And when I think of taking initiative, a lot of the executives and leaders I talk to, taking initiative doesn't mean necessarily you're going to end up doing what you're taking initiative for. It's great if it does, and if it creates teamwork and a great positive culture of working together, that's what we're striving for. But just the fact that you're thinking about it and, and, and making the overture is just so valuable. So there's that level. So when you talk about taking initiative, that's step one. But the question is, but why don't more people take initiative? You know, I just took you through a talk track of conversational intelligence, and if it were to all, always work out that way, right, why wouldn't you do it? But if you noticed, as I was explaining it, I was hinting to you why. And why is because people are busy. They perceive their workload as excessive and more time than they have in the day. They know they're thinking about their work and their stress levels outside of work. So to be able to even think and comprehend and perceive that you could help someone in their day and their workload and their responsibilities, knowing how much work 
you have on your plate, knowing how many responsibilities you have, knowing how many people are depending on you, that feels so heavy. That doesn't even feel real. Like to be able to step back and think you could add something else to your plate, most people don't think that. And frankly, even if they're not walking around thinking that their workload is so heavy, they are thinking their life load is heavy. When you add in all of your family responsibilities, your work responsibilities, your passions, the things you like to do, whatever it is that makes up your to-do list every day, to be able to add in taking initiative to help someone else or the company do things that are above and beyond what is asked, that feels like a lot. So it's all about your mindset, right? It's all about your mindset. It's all about your ability to see things a little bit differently. So when you talk about taking initiative, if your mindset is, honestly, I don't really think I could take anything else on, but why don't I ask? Because maybe there is some expertise I have in a certain area that can be helpful. Maybe I can shorten this person's workload. And maybe because I am asking, I'm helping facilitate that culture of reciprocity and taking initiative. So maybe that person, when they're at their desk, they're thinking, maybe they'll do the same thing to me and rescue me one day or make my life workload just a little bit easier. But there's so much fear. There's so much fear around this. And last week we talked about uh, fear around emotional intelligence and Star Wars. And we talked about fear isn't bad. Fear in many ways can be good. We talked about when you, when you act in a way that isn't emotionally intelligent on your fear. So if it, it discourages you from doing something that you should, you should be doing, if, it, if that fear guides you into taking the easy way out, in avoiding or ignoring, fear isn't serving you that way. So the, the fears when it comes to taking initiative that I see are, and I alluded to, people don't like owing people things. You know, it's that pressure of, oh, I owe someone money or I owe someone time or I owe someone. People don't want anything to do with it. They don't want to owe. And a lot of the reason why people don't want to owe is because they know themselves that if someone does owe them something, they're not going to feel comfortable being assertive to ask for what someone owes them. So think about that. So if I lend you $100 and then you don't pay me back, when you say you're going to pay me back, now I have to come to you and say, hey, by the way, Jim, you know, you owe me 100 bucks. I'm just checking. Now you feel like a jerk, right? Because now you're actually trying to collect on the expectations that were agreed on and articulated, by the way. You're trying to collect on the favor, and but it's just not a good place to be, because part of you says, "Well, why didn't they? Why didn't they do what they said in the first place? They obviously don't value me. They obviously don't value my kindness, because if they don't do what they said they were going to do in the first place, then they're just that kind of person." And that's what we tell ourselves, right? That's the perception. But let's be honest: there could be lots of reasons why people don't say they what they do. They could forget. They could do a bad job prioritizing. They could be being malicious and trying to take advantage. There's lots of reasons, but we're going to typically default to the negative. And so if you're one of those people who might not take initiative because A, you don't like owing people, and B, the reason you don't like owing people is because you know if they don't do what they say, you're going to have to be assertive and collect on it. 
Well, that's that's where that's where the conversation, conversational and emotional intelligence. That's where those two things intersect, because how do you have that conversation, and why do you feel bad about asking for something that they should have remembered to give anyway? They're the one that should feel bad, right? But that's not how it typically plays out. So a lot of the work I do with companies and trying to create, when you talk about taking initiative, when you talk about delegation, when you talk about things like giving and receiving feedback, those are all culture issues. So if someone says they want more people to take initiative, I would say, is that the culture you've created at the company where people are rewarded for that? And by the way, rewarded in this case could be intrinsically or extrinsically. But I think initiative and feedback and communication all flows to culture issues because there's so many, so much baggage and so many fears and so many expectations that are involved in reciprocity and when you take initiative. And what's interesting is, like I talk, and I'm going to finish the show with this final thought, and I talk about this a lot on the show and with clients. We have to stop making decisions and making choices based on the outcomes. Because if we make a decision based on an outcome and we're going to take initiative because we expect some, something, someone to do it for us someday and something for us someday, some people will deliver on that. Some people won't. But if your ultimate goal for taking initiative is just to get something in return, then you're probably going to lose on a lot of occasions. So it's okay to want and hope, but if the only reason you're going to take initiative is if someone's going to automatically reciprocate, then you're setting yourself up for failure, and you're actually creating um, going to create a lot of resentment and disappointment, and it's going to discourage you from behaving that way others because you're invariably going to be let down. So, thank you for listening to the Mindset Go Radio Show. We covered a lot of ground today about reciprocity and the different levels of how you can help and give back in conditional versus unconditional. And finally, about last segment about taking initiative. So I hope you learned a lot. Please join us every Thursday at 1 o'clock, either on TuneIn.com or AMA30 WCRN. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon. You've been listening to I Communicate with your host, Mark Altman. Join us again each week at this time on Full Service Radio, WCRN.